As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portstein with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, we have news to talk about in Blue Jackets land. Departures to discuss. Um, some interesting moves from the Blue Jackets uh, early this week or moves from other teams. In one case, Bill Zito, Assistant General Manager of the Blue Jackets since 2013, uh, and really VP of hockey operations for the last year has finally gotten a GM's job. Uh, now with the Florida Panthers announced on Wednesday, Bill Zito leaving the organization um, to finally get his own team. He had interviewed with, by my count, eight NHL franchises for GM jobs. Uh, finally gets one in Florida, taking over a very talented roster there, but there's some things that need to change in Florida. I think everybody agrees with that. And assistant coach Paul McLean brought in in November to fix the power play. Eh, We'll get into that a little bit later, whether he did or not. Uh, But his contract will not be renewed. Um, He was here with the Blue Jackets less than one year. It was just a one-year contract to begin with. Um, They said they would revisit it at the end of the year. And sure enough, that's what they're doing. And he's been informed that he will not be renewed. So it looks like the power play is back in the hands of Brad Larson. I'm sure Twitter's going to love that. We'll get to that in a, in a bit, too. Your thoughts, Allison, Bill Zito going to the Florida Panthers? Well, I think, we, I mean, we have known and, and understandably for, for people in that position that, that being a full GM was a goal of Bill Zito's for a long time. It was a path he pursued. He built up an agency, an impressive agency, and then challenged himself to learn the inner workings of an organization to kind of round out 
his experience and, and he's, he's been trying to, to get one of these spots. There's only 31, soon to be 32 um, officially right. in the league. And, you know, I think that it's un- he had to deal with some personal stuff last year that maybe put his process on hold. And so I think it's great um, that he can, can realize a goal. And I think it'll be really interesting to watch. You know, as you said, Florida has – He's not coming into an established, just kind of keep the ball rolling organization right. here. And and so I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how he handles some of the challenges of that organization, of that market. And um, that's probably something he's looking forward to because it isn't just rote. Um, he gets to kind of leave his stamp on things. So I'll be interested to see what happens. And, and I'm sure he's he's excited and congratulations to him for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because I, I think they're a team that is is – seem to have underachieved in recent years. Um, not that they're not good enough. There's been many years where you could say that about the Florida Panthers. That's not the case now. I think they, they need to be fixed, but it's not it's not as though they're they're just void of talent and, and he's he's in talent acquisition mode. I think he's in character building mode. They've got a mm. great coach, Joel Quenville. Uh they're a Hall of Fame coach, uh, certainly they have, well, a pretty good goaltender, as we know, yeah. here in Columbus. <laughs> Sergei Bobrovsky's there. He only has six years, $60 million left on his deal. Um, and they've got a load of great forwards. Did, in your mind, did Bill Zito see anything in Columbus, learn anything in Columbus, not about how to build a team necessarily, but how to build character within a team? Because that's really what has, has elevated Columbus above their talent level, where you, you talk about them being – maybe better than they should be on paper. And Florida has been the exact opposite. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, we, you and I have talked about this and everyone knows it's kind of a passion of mine too. If you look at the leadership lessons and not the like in your face, slam it down your throat, but just the experiences this group has had to go through um, since Bill has joined the organization with, you know, roster changes, coaching changes, drama um, I think there's so many lessons there. And, and I was actually speaking with someone fr- who covers the Panthers earlier today, and, and they raised a really interesting wrinkle, too, that I, at, upon thinking about it, I think this will be really helpful to Bill Zito. Not that he certainly can't stand his own against anybody, but um, having worked with Torts uh, might position him uniquely to work with another established, well-respected, and rightly so, and, and demanding coach in, in Joe Quenville, right? Yeah. So... Um, I think that as with any job, when you move on to the next, hopefully you've learned something from the past. And I think for all the reasons we've talked about this Blue Jackets organization for at least the past two years, if not longer, um, he's learned a ton about the intangibles that need to be in place to help drive success for sure. Yeah, and Zita's known Q for a number of years with so much history in Chicago. Those two have have known each other for quite a while now. Bill Zito's jobs with the Blue Jackets, he had quite a few when he started. He, he well, not really, right when he started, but a couple years into his time here, he started running the AHL Cleveland roster. They, of course, won the, the Calder Cup in 2016. Most of what he did, though, that Blue Jackets fans would be aware of is, is negotiate the big contracts. Mm-hmm. And that's not a small job, especially in a, in a salary cap uh, situation as the league is now. It's a very important job that job now falls to josh flynn who has been doing some contracts of his own 
uh, in recent years, mostly minor league guys, entry-level deals, and assisting on the big ones. Um, he kind of stepped up a little bit uh, this spring, which tells you that the Blue Jackets maybe had an idea that, that Zito was going to land somewhere, and Josh Flynn did Jonas Corposalo's contract um, this spring, a two-year, $5.6 million contract. Yarmo Kekalainen now is going to also step in on some contracts as well. He's distanced and he has distanced himself in that capacity. He has said uh, as a way to sort of uh, keep the peace a little bit from the general <laughs> manager to the players. He's not involved in the money stuff, even though he really is. I'm not sure how effective that is, but he thought it was important. Now, though, it's going to be Yarmo and Josh Flynn doing the deals. And I, I mean, I think. I think that's fine. Josh knows what he's doing as, as much as anybody. He's done some contracts before. It seems a logical progression. 100%. And I think that just like we just talked about Bill taking this progression, that this is what happens with, with those who are still with the organization. And I think that um, particularly as analytics starts to maybe take hold, we don't know how much in contract negotiations. It'll be fascinating to watch as much as we'll be able to know publicly Josh's take on, on that too and, ha- and how these conversations go. Yeah. And so something I'm planning to to craft in the next few days, maybe for early next week, is what what impact can this have on the dynamic between the negotiations with uh, all, they've got a bunch of RFAs, but there's really two that the Blue Jackets fans will be deeply invested in because the other ones would seem to be fairly slam dunks. Josh Anderson is a restricted free agent. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a restricted free agent. I think you can say this, what I'm about to say, without assigning any blame to the previous party. But let me just say it flatly. The Blue Jackets have had some wickedly contentious negotiations with restricted free agents. Um, Josh Anderson specifically. Ryan Johansson specifically. that, That relationship never mended. Um, you wonder, there's still time, of course, for Josh Anderson's to, to mend. The, the first Sergei Bobrovsky contract in Columbus was ugly. If you remember the, the Blue Jackets floating around the draft floor, I forget what year that was. Hey, we're looking for a goalie and kind of wanting Bob to know that. Um, they finally got something done. Uh, cooler heads prevail, but it, it got ugly before it got signed. Um, and that, that that's not necessarily a reflection on the club being right, the club being wrong, the agent being right. I mean, of course, the club's going to say the agent's out of line and has. Uh, the agent's going to think the club's ridiculous and has. But just putting a different person in there, just having Josh Flynn instead of Bill Zito could bring a different dynamic to these talks. Absolutely. I mean, this, and, and not to diminish the, the the type of conversations that are happening, but we see this in all types of negotiations. Even in, in if someone's buying a car, right? You've maybe had the let me go check with my manager or let me go bring right. someone else in to talk. A fresh voice can just level set things, reset the conversation. Um, and as you said, you know, even if there's no ill will, a new voice basically says, even if I'm subconsciously holding on to anything, I can't hear now this is different. And it yeah. and, and in theory, the conversation goes differently. It's a different tactic. It's a, literally a different voice. It's different angling. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be a change in perception. I mean, I've not been in the room <laughs> to know how that all went down. And as you outlined, it's 
it's there's three sides to every story with these kinds yes. of things. Um, but but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if either side um, tries to use this as an advantage, pro or con, right? Um, so right. Uh, it definitely it definitely reopens the investigation in terms of how we think these these conversations with these players will go. Yeah. So this is a Blue Jackets front office, Allison, that has lost John Davidson at the top and now Bill Zito, the number three, in the span of like 16 months. That's a lot. And they did not replace John Davidson. That's not just a job that you automatically replace. And that's not a job. I mean, no slight to John Davidson here. That's not a job that every organization needs all the time. They needed it when he came to town, for sure. And he definitely served his purpose. They feel like they can run on their own now. Um, so Basil McRae, assistant general manager. We mentioned Josh Flynn, assistant general manager. They're in for more duties. There was a meeting uh, Thursday between Yarmo Kekalainen and his, his what remains of his hockey operations <laughs> staff. Uh, but there's also Chris Clark. There's also Rick Nash, Billy Searin, the amateur scout. Um, your thoughts on what this front office looks like and how how staggering the the changes are like that are uh, losing two of your top three and 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 just sort of carrying on business as, as usual because it doesn't look like they're going to replace Bill Zito short term they may eventually but it's clear from what Yarmo Kekalainen has said if you check out the site we've got some stories up um, that, that this is going to be filled from within. Yeah, I mean, I, as you said, I, it, for for people who don't remember, I mean, John Davidson was was brought into a role that was created for him, and and it's not a role that other organizations don't have, but it's not a every organization has this role. Um, he was brought in because this team, this group needed that voice, they needed that presence, they needed someone to sit as as you have so often said as kind of that buffer. Um, between hockey ops and, and ownership because there was so yeah. much going on. So that loss, I think, felt like an evolution um, and one that could be absorbed. I think that Yarmo was more than ready to expand and assume the rest of any responsibilities that he wasn't already taking on. Uh, certainly, Bill Zito leaving, at the bare minimum, it leaves tasks to be done and distributed to people who weren't previously doing them. But I don't wonder if this isn't actually a really good time for that to happen because this group has been able to do so much of their scouting through video. It's not like there's suddenly an additional travel burden in that spectrum of things. Because of the pause, they've been able to catch right. their breath and maybe think through how they want to attack some of these roles and responsibilities so, of course, it's going to be more work. But as you mentioned, Rick Nash has been growing his responsibilities. Chris Clark has been growing his responsibilities. I think if you're going to talk about a group assuming more work, there literally is no better time for an organization to go through that than right now when the hockey world is is, is literally turned on its head. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think back to the time when they hired John Davidson, they needed a voice in this organization that when he said something, people sort of nodded and said, that is true. Right. Exactly. Because they had reached the point where the public trust was like, these guys don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. And then John Davidson came in and said, this is the way. And everyone said, where do we stand in line, sir? 
And whatever John Davison said with that voice of Moses he has, it was true. Right. And they needed when Yarmo Kekalainen came in. I think he could have negotiated the contracts too, but he's new to the GM's job. And they were such a – they were in bad, bad shape then that he did a ton of scouting. I think he thought he needed to focus on scouting. So Zito came in to do the contracts because that, of course, has – is his his uh, history, his expertise through all years of as an agent. Um, but now you've got, I think you have a fan base that trusts Yarmo. Mm-hmm. I think now you have a front office that has a a um, a negotiator in Josh Flynn, and Yarmo can help if he needs to. So this is what you know. What this is really, if anything, this is a really good. This says really good things about the Columbus front office. For sure. That the New York Rangers want your top guy to be their top guy, that the Florida Panthers want their, your number three, your number two, uh, to be their top guy in hockey operations. That's flattering in a way. And it'll, I'll, I'm interested to see what happens when the league gets up and running, when there are fans in the building and everything's back to, I'm using rabbit ears here, normal. <laughs> um, if the Blue Jackets do add somebody to their front office, or maybe they add them more of an entry level because the the people who are who are now moving up have done a good enough job, or maybe they're even they're moving on. Let's take a short break, uh, and we will rejoin on the other side. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. Both super practical, and they smell great too. For a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Um, speaking of moving on, Allison, Paul McLean will not be back. Paul McLean and his spectacular mustache will not <laughs> be back. Um, there's no way around this. This is two years in a row that the Blue Jackets have sought midseason help. Uh, for their power play. Martin St. Louis couldn't help it. Paul McLean couldn't help it. What's your next idea, Allison? The call is coming from inside the house, Aaron. Uh, uh. <laughs> I, listen, <sighs> first of all, kudos to Paul McLean for coming in and trying to tackle the situation. Um, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into the hows and the whys and the ins and the what's of that. But, I, and, and, I, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, but at some point, <laughs> like if you've if you've literally tried if you've literally tried almost everything and almost every possible combination of personnel, yeah. I, I mean, legitimately every idea I've even had has been tried and not worked. So I'm yeah. saying that to mean that analysts can't even come up with something bigger or better. I, right. I, I I don't I I don't know. But you, but at some point you do have to look at how things are getting executed. And as we've said on this podcast about many topics, coaches cannot mind control players and, and robot control what they do on the ice. And so at some point 
I, I, we have to look at a, at a different piece of this puzzle. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say that they don't have enough skill and we've certainly beat that into the, into the ground. But our it's Teddy true. Panarin was here. I was just going to say that Panarin yeah. was here and that didn't thrive. Right. right? Um, now, I'll say in Paul, a couple of things here, and this doesn't excuse him because all of these rankings obviously are relative to the teams around you. But point number one, from the time that McLean joined them, they did get better. Okay. They went from 15.6 to 16.4, which doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> hear me out. That's a huge that's a huge difference over the course of a whole season. Like that's the difference between finishing, you know, this spot or eight spots higher or lower. Like it it's a pretty narrow gap between good and bad. It was certainly above in the middle of the pack in the power play. So they improved under McLean percentage-wise and yet they slid down the rankings um 16. Point, 16.8 under him. And for the whole of the year, they finished 27th in the league at 16.4. So they were more than a percentage point better under him. That's better. And yet they slid down. Yes. Um, what's crazy is, and again, it's all relative in the league you're in at the time, but 16.4, if you go back 10 years ago, that didn't used to be 27th in the league. That used to be much right. higher. Right. Like power plays have gotten so much better in this time. And I, I want to maybe take a deeper look at that sometime. Where where did they get le left behind? Because the rest of the league has all gotten even even if they don't move up um, within a single season to a higher ranking. They've all gotten dramatically better over the last 10, 12 years, where 16.4 is now 27th in the league. There were years where Columbus would love to have been 16.4 and that would have been top half of the league but i mean it, it's got to be the players it has to be the approach it has to be just freaking relaxing and playing right and, and maybe they need someone who can get them to do that i don't think john tortorella makes people relax and play i'm not <laughs> sure brad shaw or brad larson do do you get that vibe see i i don't know i hesitate on that a little bit i but i but i at the same time totally respect that if these players and look, if I could even remotely begin to put myself in their shoes, it would be in my head <laughs> for sure at yeah. this point. Um, so I certainly don't blame them for that. Um, but I, but I don't wonder if it's now not even more about coaches letting players play as it's helping them release yeah. the weight of what they know. <laughs> right. Like it shouldn't be this hard. No. Right. I remember talking to Ray Whitney about it back in the early days and, and him remarking that there are times where you can't wait to get over the boards in the power play. And you have so much confidence that it's going to look like you've got one more player than the other team does. Yep. And then there are times where you almost are like, I, I, can we just be five on five? Like this is just such a mental mind beep that we just get so hung up with it that it gets so heavy and burdensome right? and you need someone to re relieve that. And it seems like it's been with them for three years now, this mental mind beep. Um, and I don't know what the answer is, but what do you think the level of confidence is now, Allison, that it's back? And I'm, I'm, I've defended them because I don't think it's the coaching, but at some point you got to make a change. Uh, that was, that was McLean. That was St. Louis. 
what's the mental approach for the players now that the power plays back in the hands of Brad Larson again? You know, the fans are watching. <laughs> if I knew they could hire me as the next assistant coach, I, who's to say? I mean, and, and just like I just said, this pause might help the organization shift around their responsibilities. Maybe there's some clearing of the head here. I mean, it certainly, the power play certainly didn't look that much better in the postseason um, from what we saw. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I literally don't know. <laughs> there's I mean, my value that, add for you. <laughs> that just seems like a hard sell in the room. And again, this is nothing against Brad Larson as a coach. Right, right. It's not. But, okay, we've replaced you the last or we they helped they found help for him two years ago, Martin St. Louis. They out and out replaced him last year with Paul McClain. That seems a hard sell back into the room of okay, here's this guy again. But I don't know what they can possibly do if because Yarmo has said that all of the coaches are back. So that's what it looks like. Uh you know people are gonna be counting the old power. We'll still be on in in, uh, Columbus. So here's the other aspect of of Paul McLean's departure um, that I think is interesting. He came on in November with the agreement that he would coast to the end of the season. And and they would reevaluate it then. And so here they are. They reevaluated. They said, no, thanks. But part of the reason that they were not interested or that they allowed him to move on, however you want to put it, is because of the uncertainty surrounding COVID. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that John Tortorella is going into the last year of his contract next season, you remember he felt uncomfortable doing that a few years ago. Uh, the, part of the reason that Larson and Shaw perhaps are going into the last uh, last year of their season as well is because this team is not willing to talk to them because of the COVID uncertainty that surrounds this league. Alice. Allison, tell us about that in uncertainty and how much you think this is going to sort of have a footprint across this league in terms of personnel decisions that teams make or are forced to make. Absolutely. I mean, we have talked about how the NHL is a gate-driven league in terms of the revenue. So it's ticket sales that are the biggest chunk of change going to these teams. And while we're watching hockey now and enjoying it, we're all keenly aware there's no fans buying tickets to these games. Um, So uh, we know the cap is flat. We know that the league is trying to take steps to protect itself financially, just like every business right now. And so if you have places you can trim the fat, you're going to do that. And unfortunately, that's the nature of contracts is that, you know, as you said, this was a a one season contract for Paul McLean. And so if there aren't these amazing, remarkable results, and it's it's something that you maybe it's not essential right now. It's a place to cut. And yep. when you look at what the future holds, it's, it's never been more uncertain globally, not just in sport and not just in hockey. So when you talk about extensions and things like that, there are plenty of organizations in this league that are going to have to make some potentially really hard decisions. And so holding your money while you can and, and, and trying to make it last um, is going to drive a lot of decisions so that once this is over and once our world can start to return to normal, these organizations still persevere and exist, not to be melodramatic, but um, 
you you have to look at the long game here, not just the short game. And it, it's a very different short game versus long game right now. And so I think that to your point, if if there's staff, I don't think any organization wants to get rid of someone unnecessarily, but if there's a place that isn't essential, I mean, my gosh, we're seeing this in the NCAA, we're seeing this at different universities, different and NHL organizations even um, in different roles already. So um, it's definitely a sign of the times, perhaps just as much as it is a sign of performance or lack thereof. Yeah, and I've talked to people here in the last few weeks who have talked about uh, this year being almost a return to what the salary cap was the first couple of years, mm-hmm. where some teams pay and play to the cap and other teams um, have an internal cap that is not the salary cap. I mean, you look at, at uh, pick your favorite salary website, cap. What's the one we're always at? Cap. Great. Cap, cap friendly. friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And almost every team is right up there close, right? Yeah. At some point during the season. And that may not be the case this summer. Like I would not want to be a free agent player no. No. this summer. And that goes for uh, coaches as well. And I think Paul McClain may have, at least in Columbus, have been the first one to to suffer that reality. I'm not sure if he would have been back or not, quite frankly. Right. Um, right. I'm guessing maybe not, um, but that certainly is that certainly doesn't make the decision uh, to keep them any easier. So, anyways, it's been a, an interesting week in Columbus. Bill Zito gone, Paul McLean gone, um, and really, Allison, the biggest issue in all of these decisions is no one's really sure when the next season's going to start. Right, right. It's so true. Or if the next season is going to start anytime soon, or if there will be fans there. So everyone's yep. trying to, they're trying to become as flexible as they can or remain as flexible as they can financially with uh, fewer obligations. So anyways, um, Allison, anything else to add? Uh, I think that's it. I mean, obviously we're watching the situation at Ohio state. Um, the, the hockey teams are winter sports, but, um, they could potentially be impacted by, uh, virtual, uh, learning or, or transitioning to a full virtual college year. Um, if you're following either the Ohio state men's or women's team, um, they have players obviously advocating for best practices to hopefully, uh, keep COVID spread at a minimum so that those teams can, can play their seasons. So, um, just as we talked about at the NHL level, this is affecting the game at all levels, including um, our Ohio State men and women's teams. And Ohio State had some number of COVID positive just in the last couple of days. Yes, great, great increase. That? So, yes, I did. Yeah, so. it's worrisome. And not, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, God, when you put that many people together, it, it's not. Huh, it's not really shocking. Ohio State reports 882 positive coronavirus tests among students, according to the Columbus Dispatch, four hours ago. So on Thursday. Yeah. So that's that's worrisome. Uh, but hopefully they'll keep that under control and, and the seasons there can cannot be delayed and can be played. Um, all right, Allison, thanks so much for your time. Good chatting with y'all. Always. And we'll be back with you again next Tuesday. Talk to you then.